0: Well, hey, Selma so Church, uh, Pastor Brandon here. I'm excited to give uh, a quick medical update. I've got with me John Webster and Rebecca Witzig, who, as you guys know by now, have been serving with uh, several others on our medical team throughout the COVID pandemic. And so I want to just give you guys an update as we uh, kind of are moving out of winter, uh, Lord willing, and into spring. Obviously, we see that things are changing around us. We've made some changes to some of our guidelines and policies with regard to Sunday morning and some different things so just want to talk through kind of the rationale behind that talk a little bit about where we're at with vaccinations and uh, and then just hear from some other questions that um, I know some of you have asked uh, around community life for the next few months so I'd love to um, I guess just start John with you kind of where are we in terms of the stats the data the, the numbers what's happening in Marion County in Indianapolis uh, I know it's good news but I'd love to hear specifically kind of what, what you're seeing there
1: Yeah, totally. Um, So, yeah, first of all, just as we talk about this kind of thing, just minor disclaimer that we're, if you have uh, specific personal questions, talk to your primary care provider. That's not us. And uh, we can't speak for the organizations that that we work for or anything like that. Uh, But as as of today, we're doing really well in Indiana. Um, The positivity test rate is down from, I don't know, an average high of something like 16 or 17%. Uh, average to down in the threes, three to three and a half percent uh, average um, compared to that's even better than we were in July and, and um, in the summer. Uh, and then our, our average deaths per day, uh, which is another difficult but really important thing to, to be aware of, um, peaked in the late December and early January in the 70s to 100s per day. Uh, and now we're averaging down in the teens, low teens or less. Um, so just a really Good improvement. Um, the vaccine is helping because um, those vulnerable populations, uh, folks, especially over 70, have all had a chance to get the vaccine for, um, for a while now. And I think that's a major driver, um, as, as is the just time um, folks um, getting more used to masking and, and time um, to, to get better at, at living with the pandemic.
0: Rebecca, would you add anything to that? What are you guys seeing on the public health side with uh with your work
2: yeah we're i mean encouraged by seemingly the uptake of of vaccines and that's a that's a challenging thing right not everybody's coming from the same place but um but yeah i'm encouraged i think um coming out of the winter and coming into the spring i think we have a lot of things to be excited about um it's not over obviously um but i think um the vaccine piece of this puzzle is really key and continued measures with other things we've been using um will be really, really effective and hopefully bring us back to some sort of resemblance of normalcy soon.
0: Yeah. So all of that kind of is background, I guess, for uh, some of the restrictions that we've loosened up on Sundays, right? As we look at that data, we've, we've kind of talked about positivity rates, caseloads and things like that driving our decision. And so recently we made the move on Sundays to go from 12 feet to uh, six feet, back to six feet with our distancing we're still still having masks and still taking a lot of the same precautions but increasing our capacity um, as that's happening really across the city uh even this week as the mayor's changing up some of our loosening up some of the restrictions citywide so that that's kind of what's informing that um mm-hmm. let me just stay with you for a second rebecca and you get you and uh, john obviously both uh, been vaccinated by this stage, healthcare workers were were first to go, and um, you guys have experienced that. I'd love just to hear about your all's experiences, and um, you know, just from what it was like um, emotionally, what it's like physically to go through that, uh, and then just anything, any other observations as you're seeing this. I know you guys are uh, hosting a lot of these for the community. Any other observations you guys have on that? For those who might be thinking about um, the vaccines, you know, and, and I want to say up front for just for those who may have questions. Um, we, as your pastors, I say, I, and James as elders want to encourage you to get vaccinated, want to encourage Christians towards vaccination. We believe that it's safe. Um, we believe that it's ethical and moral. I know there's a lot of questions around that and, uh, we're going to be releasing some videos this week from some, um, voices around the country that, uh, can, can help us discern that and, and understand some of those reasonings. Again, there's a lot of, re- lot of suspicion. Mo- the most recent national research says that uh, e- evangelical Christians are some of the most suspicious when it comes to the vaccine and are um, even saying maybe least likely to get vaccinated. So, And again, some of that, these, we want to take these doubts and suspicions seriously. Um, some of them come from history and for good reasons. And so we want to speak to those and we'll be putting out some videos on those Uh, But we do want to say, we believe that, that you can trust uh, the information that's out there. And, um, and so we'll have more to say about that, but just, yeah, what, what's your experience, I guess, starting with you, Rebecca, and then John, tell us a little bit about yours as well.
2: Yeah. um, I was excited I mean I guess when we were hearing more about this this was a couple months ago when it was first rolling out so a lot of people were unsure but really kind of for me excited especially in the field of public health to kind of be on this cutting edge seeing of like what's what's going to happen with this but a little you know apprehension because it was just new Um, but I had COVID previously this year and so knowing that when I got my vaccination that you know there might be some mild um, symptoms that might come up, but um, they honestly were completely um, doable and fine and um, not a big deal for myself. And I think the more I talked openly about me getting the vaccine, there were some of my team members who were a little apprehensive as well. And so um, just sharing that, honestly, it was a pretty simple and straightforward process for myself. Um, I do feel a bit more freed up, not that I'm going crazy by doing, you know, a bunch of different risky things in the sense of COVID terms, but it does give me a sense of um, a little bit more of a relief of extra protection um, so that I am making sure that I'm doing my very best in prohibiting someone else from, you know, getting COVID. And so, um, yeah, that's, I guess that speaks a little bit to my experience. And I've talked to a lot of different team members who have had apprehensions and have had just doubts of what, what they wanted to do personally. Um, and I would just open if you have family members and friends who have those same sort of um, doubts and questions, just talk about it more. I think it normalizes it. Um, and I think that's um, the best thing that we can be doing right now.
1: Yeah, I, I uh, just going off that to. People um, still say that the best information they can get on vaccines is from the primary care provider. So, encouraging uh, your family members to talk to them about that. Um, it's it's always humbling and surprising that patients really trust me that much. Uh, but it really is an important thing to talk about with somebody you trust and, and know. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I got mine in the beginning of uh, January, and in the first round it was all um, folks mostly my age that there were um, I was. I went to the hospital. So it was, it was folks coming off a night shift. Um, and then the second round was completely different because it was, had, had then been rolled out to, to 70 year olds and up. And it was just, it was emotional in a really cool way. It was, it was a really powerful thing to see uh, folks, you know, carrying their oxygen in line uh, waiting for their shot. And that's you know, probably the most important thing they did for their health uh, this year. Um, so that's, that's really exciting. That was really fun. Um, as far as, you know, um I don't know Brandon you want to get into like you know deciding whether to get it or not you know this is um something that is um proven to be safe and effective it is um you know we have now three vaccines that are uh safe and highly effective um we have a little bit of difference in efficacy uh, but if you look at the Johnson & Johnson data that's still um, better efficacy than uh, the usual flu shot so if you've had maybe even a casual relationship with the flu shot before you should be totally Pro um, ready for, for that vaccine. Um, most important that to note too, that, that, um, the effectivity, uh, effectiveness on serious outcomes and serious cases, um, is really strong and that's data that's still, uh, forthcoming, but that's, um, at least the initial data on like the Pfizer vaccine studies that have come out in Israel and other places show that, um, even in larger, um, uh, larger quantities of people it's it's sticking to about the 95 percent mark there on the pfizer vaccine and um to similar numbers with the the um, effectiveness against preventing serious disease and hospitalization and death um which is what we're most excited about so yeah just to reiterate there that you know i think there's some going to be some folks kind of wanting to know more about the johnson johnson vaccine for multiple reasons but the big take-home reason the big take-home thing is that um available vaccine is a good vaccine and that it can really um that it's going to be effective at, at keeping you from having a bad outcome. Yeah, that's really good news and I think we need to stop and
0: like celebrate that. Yeah. I know that we can continue to talk about like not uh getting crazy with, you know, uh the the next, you know, 6 months or something. I mean, we know there's still going to be some restrictions in place and there's going to be pop-ups where we still struggle but I think just stopping right now to say that's really great and I know for many there's just going to be that sense of euphoric relief over the next several weeks as it seems like I'm already down in the 50s it seems like vaccines are going to become widely available to our population here locally in the next you know two months and so um, I I assume that if people have questions or they maybe are concerned obviously they can talk to their primary physician uh, care physician but if they have specific questions about some of the local data or things that you guys would be uh, willing to, you know, answer some of those questions as they come up. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So just thinking ahead um, about the next couple of months, I mean, we've been doing these updates every few months. And so obviously none of us knows uh, where the numbers are going to be, but it seems like we're trending in the right direction. Um, You know, how, how would you guys encourage people once they do get vaccinated or once their family members are getting vaccinated and, we're beginning to navigate and negotiate a new normal for community life. I mean, what should people expect over the next few months? I mean, I think for some, it seems like the uh, you know the golden ticket to be able to just get out and kind of resume life as normal. And yet, we know for you know large populations of people, particularly the poor, uh, minorities, um, and then outside the U.S., they either don't have access or there's you know ongoing trust issues uh, and supply chain issues, all that kind of stuff. That's not going to just magically make this go away. So, you know, you don't want to be too, on the too negative side, on the same token, you don't want to be too optimistic. What does it look like to have a realistic approach and how would you guys encourage people over the next several months to negotiate things like that in community, you know, as we, as we start making some of those decisions?
1: Yeah, that's a hard one. Um, let's see. Let's take a stab at it. So, you know, I think you In my mind, you you hang on to the things that are most effective for preventing spread. So, um, uh, you know, for me, masking is not a big deal. So when it comes to like my MC, we're probably going to be wearing masks until like, you know, the state masking mandate has gone. And maybe, you know, uh, until rates stay down this low and we see some we have some time to see how the vaccines are responding to the variants. Um, and we see how the the state's doing as the restaurants are are opening back up more and more, uh, which j- just recently happened. Um, so like you know things like that you got to hang on to, and then just really being smart. You know if you have symptoms, stay at home and get tested, um, and don't. Unfortunately, still the, the a negative test while you're having symptoms is just not super reliable. It's about this is still a 30% false negative rate, meaning that if you have a cough and a fever. And you have a negative test. You're still supposed to wait until you feel better to go back to um, usual activities. And really, CDC still says 10 days. Um, so I think if we stick to those things, that that's the the huge part. I think the ways to relax are to um, spend time with our friends, to um, have our grandparents hold our grandbabies, um, to to be able to, to have the gatherings that we that we wanted to have, um, you know, with, within com- comfort. Um, but uh, you know, at this point. At least the patients that I'm seeing, um, that are maybe more laypersons persons, are not very educated and having a hard time wrapping their heads around the medical decision making part of it. You know, they're just really suffering with a lot of depression, and their kids are not getting good education. And um, you know, twenty what is it? Twenty percent of Hoosier high schoolers have considered suicide. Um, so that's something that, you know, we've gotta be able to talk about those kinds of uh, aspects of this It's not a one-sided coin that we can keep, um, you know, keep washing our hands and keep wearing our mask uh, and keep avoiding everybody indefinitely. You know, maybe we can do part of that um, while we, we get used to a post-vaccine world. Um, yeah, sorry, we can, we can do part of that um, and not, uh, you know, spend time with people when we're, when we're symptomatic, um, but also start to do the things that we know we need to do as a society again. Hmm.
0: Rebecca, what would you, anything else you'd say?
2: Yeah, I would just say, well, some of us are going to be super eager to resume what we feel like maybe at a quick rate of like what is normal and jump back into the things we love. There's going to be others of us that are definitely not ready to go at that speed. So I think assuming that everybody's on the same page as far as resuming like normal, normal activities and things that we once loved is going to be getting us into maybe some trouble and it, people are not going to feel as comfortable. So I think you're, we're just going to have to be really conscious of like what what conversations we are having and not assuming that everybody's gonna be on the same page with us. And mm-hmm. so um, maybe people are still gonna be fully um, hesitant as they enter bigger gatherings. Maybe that's gonna be like a whole new phenomenon for folks. So I would just yeah. say still be sensitive because we're not coming from the same place. And I think that will help as we start to get um, maybe hopefully a little bit more socially engaged with one another and connected as we're able to as things open up. So that's just a reminder, I think
1: that we could, we can keep in mind. Totally. And let's, let's talk, you know, let's talk about how we're so much more excited um, for heaven than we are for a vaccine. Like, let's just go ahead and talk about that. Like there, we have so much more unity as Christians than we have any disagreement about these things. Um, so let's, let's keep that at the forefront, whether it's about a vaccine or whether to, you know, have MC in person for the first time or not um, let's, let's keep that at the forefront.
0: John, you're preaching now. I like it, man. Bring it. (laughs) (laughs) Give this man a soapbox. Uh, no, that's really helpful. And again, I, I appreciate all the, all the work you guys are doing. I guess one, one last question, you know, what is, I mean, as you guys think about this from a medical standpoint, like what is the goal, you know, which, what is, what is the win? As we think about this next season, you know, I think uh, a lot of people have made the point that absolute zero or eradication is probably not going to be, the goal in terms of, you know, what, what the new normal looks like. I mean, what, what should we be thinking about there in terms of, you know, when life can begin to resume some kind of normal and obviously there's still a lot we don't know, but what, you know, what's kind of your all's best thinking around that as we think about, you know, the, the next stage and kind of turning the next corner, you know, into whatever this new normal looks like. Mm.
1: Great question. <laughs> Go ahead, Becca, you got that. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Um, let's see. How, how do we, what, what benchmarks am I looking for? I'm looking for hospitalization, hospitalization rates to stay very, very safe, very, very low, so that all of the normal things that need to happen in healthcare can, um, so that. Um, people can get the tests they need. And, and if you have a really bad car accident, you can get everything you need. Cause it was getting dicey back was that December, December it was like, like they were, they were running out of life support machines and stuff, um, advanced stuff I won't bore you with, but um, they were running out of those machines and Methodist, you know, that was getting dicey. Um, so I'm looking for that. I'm looking for positivity rates to stay low, um, death per day to stay low, um, you know, some, somewhere, around here like if we stay where we're at here and then we continue to peel away like where the data's at now if we continue to peel away restrictions now i and the data and we stay at a three percent positivity i mean i haven't had a positive coronavirus test in my clinic for like three or four weeks it's great wow. um, but that's that's anecdotal you can't just you can't freak out about that but um you know if we stay like this as we peel away some things and you know maybe keep restrictions on Pacers games and stuff like that. Um, that's gonna be great. And I think, you know, we can look forward to a, a fall where we're all gonna kind of hold our breath, at least the medical community is gonna hold our breath. You know, is it, we, we won't have gone through a winter with a vaccine yet. And all the, some lay people, uh, some of my family included will be like, come on, we're fine, relax, let's go. Uh, and we'll also I'll be like, sorry, I just kind of wait and see. Um, and so we'll wait and see. And then, you know, you know if, they, if, if we're still in a similar place like this in, in a year, I think we'll be able to be doing a lot more things indoors. Um, but that's like the biggest what if statement ever. So I don't know, Rebecca, I'm rambling. What do you think?
2: you've got more to say on it than i do i don't know if i've even really been dreaming of that kind of state yet because i'm just kind of holding my breath um but i think it will resemble somewhat of what things looked like before but honestly things that might stay the same as like masking may be a thing that might pop up at various times in the future and maybe that's not a terrible thing i mean i know some of you might think that's terrible but like it may not be a completely terrible thing in other aspects so Again, I don't. we obviously. I think most of us realize it's not going to look in exactly like it did pre-COVID. But I think we'll start to see more and more of it, and I think it'll start to, I guess, feel a little bit more like we're out of the woods. Um, mm-hmm but as far as like concrete things, I don't know if I've even put myself up to knowing what like that may look like. Um, but I think John, you were, yeah. you were hitting some of those things.
1: Yeah. I guess one, But one I mean, of we three. could
2: reasonably
0: predict like flare ups or, you know, variants and mm-hmm. different things to continue to happen for a while just, while also saying like, we know we have better mitigation strategies now and we know how to deal with that, assuming that people actually follow those. Um, but it's, it's not like, again, this just kind of magically goes away. We, we should be realistic about, some of the limitations that we're still going to be under and some of the new rhythms that we're going to have to embrace. And maybe this thing stays around and becomes a seasonal, you know, a seasonal virus that we deal with for the rest of our lives. I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at, you know, as we think about the next couple of years, even, you know,
1: I think the other metric we can look at is, is herd immunity. And, you know, we're something like 15% of, I think 50% of Hoosiers have had COVID 15% have had a vaccine at this point. So that's 30%. And we believe herd immunity you know, the general consensus is like 60 to 80%, but 50 to 90 is possible. And so we, with a, with a third vaccine, we could possibly hit that early in in the summer, uh, or it could be, if it's a higher number, it'd be more like November or January that America hits herd immunity. Um, so that, again, that's, that's a big what ifs. So you can read it. There's good articles in the New York Times about that.
0: Someone being a younger church, we might hit herd immunity before everybody else. <laughs> well uh thank you guys and again i'm so grateful for your work on the team thank you guys for your just consistent input i think we've said before we know there's so much there's been so much of a breakdown of trust institutionally um for many christians especially there seems to be a breakdown of trust and so we want to just kind of put local faces before our church and say hey here are people that that love you that love jesus that um you know, believe in believe in science and believe in medicine, but also don't like John said, don't put our hope in that as as ultimate. And we know that Jesus is our great healer, and that heaven is our great hope, um, and that the hope of the resurrection is our great hope. And so, I appreciate um, the ways you guys have served us so well. So again, just I want to extend that if people do have questions or you are wrestling through things, please feel free to reach out to us. We'll connect you with with the team. And uh, want to, uh, yeah, just continue to pray that God blesses you guys in your your fields and what you're doing. Thank you for serving our city, uh, for serving the Lord through your vocations. And uh, we look forward to more, hopefully more positive news here over the next several weeks. So thank you guys so much. We're really grateful for you.